This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. St. Marish History is one of Ontario's most hellish psychiatric hospitals, but business guru Don Tapscott, who is originally from Herilia, and Canada's most famous writer Margaret Atwood are among a growing list of notables who have enthusiastically joined a campaign to turn the 200-acre site into a kind of Banff Centre of the East known as the Huronia Cultural Campus. Their vision is to create an international arts destination with artist studios, educational and teleconference facilities, exhibition galleries, a First Nations museum, and a performance pavilion for outdoor summer concerts. Tapcott said this could be the most important development for the region since the arrival of the Samuel de Champlain. Public health officials are reaching out to people who may have come in contact with a measles patient at St. Joseph's Health Centre in Toronto. The hospital says the measles patient was in the emergency ward from January 27th to 29th. In the past two weeks, four adults and two children in Toronto, along with a woman in the Niagara region, have come down with the disease. But health officials say they found no evidence that any of the cases are linked. Former Olympian and reality television star Bruce Jenner escaped unharmed from a deadly four-vehicle crash in Malibu, California. Yesterday's accident killed a woman and sent seven people to hospital. Police say there's no sign that Jenner, who won gold in the decathlon at the 1976 Olympics in Montreal, was impaired by alcohol or drugs. Uh, Brake light issues could lead to another auto recall. Here's ABC's Chuck Sivertson. Land Rover and Jaguar recalling over 100,000 vehicles because of problems with the brakes and lights. The largest recall involves a brake hose issue that Jaguar studied and dismissed only to reopen after an accident. One or both front brake hoses could rupture, causing the loss of braking fluid. Federal regulators have issued notices on the recalls. They involve model years 2006 through 2012. Jaguar XK cars in model years 2012 through 2015 will be recalled because of side parking lights. They could turn off after about five minutes. Dealers will update software controlling lights. In sports, James Reiner made 31 saves, missing out on a shutout just at the end of the game as the Toronto Maple Leafs snapped an 11-game winless streak. They beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-1 last night. They'll host the Rangers on Tuesday. The Toronto Raptors, they'll take on the reigning NBA champion, San Antonio Spurs, that at the ACC tonight. That's AM740 News and Sports. Weather after this. bathroom. I'm recording our advert for Faulty Towers, the dining experience. Yes, but why are you in the bathroom? Well, it, it sounds better. Get a professional, Basil. There's no need. Get a professional. I'm not paying a professional. Faulty Towers live at the Sony Center. Over 18 performances sold out. New performances added. Call Ticketmaster.ca. What a lovely voice. And don't mention the war. AM 740 weather today, periods of snow mixed with ice pellets up to 2 to 4 centimetres, a high of minus 7. Tonight, periods of snow, blowing snow up to 2 to 4 centimetres, low of minus 11. Then clouds and chance of late snow tomorrow, high of minus 5. It's minus 10, 14 Fahrenheit. Next news at 9 on the new AM 740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. 
You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, my co-host as usual with me this morning, Naz Marchese, and we're pleased to announce... Joining us in studio this morning, former Raptor coach, Butch Carter, local entrepreneur and motivational speaker. Welcome aboard. Butch, it's great to have you here with us this morning. Thanks for asking me to be here. Hopefully we'll have a great time. I'm sure we will. Thanks for joining us. I just want to let listeners know what's on tap today on the show. Uh, Shortly after the first break, we're going to have with us Gabe Polsky on the line from Chicago. Gabe Polsky, acclaimed filmmaker, director of Red Army. Uh, the story of one of the greatest hockey teams in history. The film Red Army is now in theaters across the country. And uh, middle of the hour, Mike Pellick, former Maple Leaf uh, and active in the NHL Players Alumni and Toronto Maple Leaf Alumni. And I'm sure he'll have some interesting thoughts talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so it's going to be a great show. Butch, it's great to have you with us. Let's. Uh, it was a great Super Bowl last uh, last Sunday, Naz, and uh, had an interesting ending. And never a dull moment. Uh, <laughs> ne- never a dull moment. So let's uh, let's wrap up Super Bowl 2015. Your parting shots on the Super Bowl. I'm still waiting for Lynch to carry the ball from the one yard line. I I don't understand. I'm still waiting for Lynch to carry the ball from the one yard line. I don't understand that play at all. That one that. Uh, down at the one-yard line. Butch? Even smart coaches do dumb things. <laughs> it's been miraculous what he's done in Seattle. I mean, to really take them from where they were at to uh, the Legion of Doom, Boom. And uh, he's just a smart guy. And he allowed an offensive coordinator to call a play that he probably should have uh, changed and give it to Beast Mode. And uh, Tom Brady? Your assessment of where he, uh, the, I mean, after the game, it's it's interesting how one play in a game, which is that play, has uh, swings the uh, swings the debate about whether Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Well, I mean, the reality is that Brady is probably not the greatest quarterback in history. I think that between Inflategate and uh, the other issue they had before, that will. Uh, follow him forever he all great teams uh, are lucky the patriots are lucky that the, they've played in a, a weak division for 14 years the jets the bills and miami have basically been terrible and uh so that allows you to get through the process and it's a similar situation that you see but most of those outsiders don't understand you play in a tougher division it's harder to get to the end uh, Brady's been very lucky to play in that weak division. He's fully, he and his coach have fully taken advantage of it. And you go back to uh, the past that they didn't call a fumble in the snowball. The Oakland game. It's correct. They, yeah. They've just, they've, just been, they've just been lucky. So, you know, my opinion, you know, as an advocate sports follower is that they've been good and, and lucky. lucky. And uh, that's what you need to have. Fantastic. So, uh, Super Bowls in the, in the history books, Naz. Yeah, we of course, called that one wrong. We both called <laughs> we both Seattle. We both called Seattle, so uh, <laughs> we need to eat a little bit of humble pie on that one. Anyways, Maple Leafs are never a dull moment oh, for us. Oh, they finally won one last they finally night. They finally won one last night, and, um, and I'm predicting on this show 
today that they are going to win 13 or 14 of their next 20 because they're not going to get Connor McDavid. The pressure's off the Leafs now. They're definitely not a playoff team anymore. And teams that have no pressure on them tend to perform uh, in, in a little bit of different way. Uh, Coach Carter, um, teams that don't have pressure on them when they're literally out of a playoff race, they start to play better. Why? Because uh, the things that uh, were very important earlier in the year, all that pressure is off. Uh, they know they're going home. They're planning on going home. They are loose. It allows for a looser locker room, uh, which uh, gives players who aren't very good confidence. So, you know, the Leafs are, are not very good. In my opinion, they've not been very good for a long time. And um, they should have torn this team apart, in my opinion, a long time ago. No one ever had the skill set to do it. And finally, hopefully, we have someone who has a skill set to do it. What's your opinion? You ever get fired in midseason, ever? No, I took over a job as an interim <laughs> yeah, coach for sure. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Naz and I, we <laughs> talked about when Randy Carlyle got fired. And uh, to me, it seemed to be the wrong, might have been the right move at the wrong time. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand the, the thought process behind it. Why fire your coach uh, right at the beginning of January when you were literally still in a playoff spot? They were mathematically in a playoff spot. They had had a bad week. Uh, but they were in a playoff spot, and they fire the coach, and they and they install his interim, who never had a track record as a, never had a track record really uh, as an NHL number one type of coach. Um, how does that affect the team? Was that the right move? It was exactly the right move. Why? Because when they hired me and fired Darrell Walker, I had never been a head coach. I'd been a high school coach, college assistant, college. Uh, professional assistant. The issue is Canadians always get muddled in the fruit on the table instead of commenting on the structure of the table. The Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, the structure has failed because they keep putting fruit that's bad on top of the table. It's consistent through all sports. So what we did in 98 was that we put together a computer program the first analytical model in basketball was done by the Toronto Raptors. You jumped to already to number four question ahead for you, so go ahead. Okay, so, I mean, but back to your question. The reality is, all right, there are different horses that skate, run, catch a football, hit a baseball. And if you don't acknowledge that in your analytics, I think you're doomed to be very inconsistent. And MLSE has been very lazy in finding people who can evaluate true skill and talent. So all the hockey teams that you love, they're in first. You know, why is Montreal, you know, playing well? Why has Boston been good? You know, why have the Kings been good? Why is the Western Conference predominantly, they, they play with more energy, they're bigger, they're stronger. So, you know, in my opinion, you know, this has been coming. They, they did Randy a favor. Randy did the best job that he could do with the table that he was given. And they need to change the fruit. But it's, it's all built with, if you have someone with the skill set to rebuild a team, they're worth tons of money. Butch, I want, I want you to, uh, we're going to come back to that later mm -hmm. on in the show. I certainly want to talk about your, your comment about the MLSC structure and this whole uh, thing about the fruits not correct. I think you've raised some very fascinating uh, topics we're going to come back to. We have to go to break. And we'll be right back from break with Gabe Polsky, the acclaimed filmmaker and director of Red Army, which is in theaters now. We'll be right back.
It was a rainy day in Pizzaville during our All About the Taste event. If you agree that Pizzaville's delicious margarita pizza is the best tasting margarita pizza you've ever had, go to pizzaville.ca and enter to win a trip to Italy's Amalfi Coast. If you don't think it's the best tasting margarita pizza, you can still enter to win a different trip. You can go to hell. Michigan. For details, go to pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to have with us this morning, on the line from Chicago, Gabe Polsky. Gabe Polsky, critically acclaimed uh, director and filmmaker, uh, director of a movie which is in theaters right now. It's called Red Army. It's the story of one of the greatest hockey teams in history, uh, the Soviet Red Army team from the 70s and 80s. Gabe, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm I'm happy to be on here so early with you guys. <laughs> it's even an hour earlier where you are. So, I'm jet, and I'm jet lagged, so it, it worked yeah. out pretty well. I just got uh, back from Paris, where the the uh, I was doing a lot of press for the film and in Spain, which is pretty unique because. You know, they don't like hockey there. But, uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, th- thanks so much for coming on. And first of all, I, I have seen the movie. I went to see it. And my congratulations on, on, on a superior film. Uh, brought back a lot, of, uh, a lot of memories for me. I grew up during the 60s, 70s, and 80s and hated the, the Russian hockey team. 
literally a visceral hatred for Russia and Russian <laughs> hockey players in that time and, and for European referees. But uh, it's a great film, and congratulations, and it, it deserves all the critical acclaim it's received in, in all the various film festivals, including the Toronto International Film Festival. And I want to ask you, Gabe, uh, at first I, I, I went down and saw it with my wife. She thoroughly enjoyed it, and she's not, she's not much of a hockey fan. Um, uh, it, it's really more than a hockey movie at the end of the day. Um, it's 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 a human story, isn't it? And and mm-hmm. and in your estimation, what is what is Red Army the story of? Well, I mean, it's 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 a little complicated question because it's a lot of it's about a lot of a lot of different things. But um, you know, on the surface, it's it's about uh, uh, using Slava Fetisov, who's one of the you know greatest defensemen in, in the history of hockey, and and uh, you know certainly one of the most decorated athletes in Soviet history. Basically, using his career as a window into the story of the Soviet Union and, and the story of the people and, and, and what they went through. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's about Russia and the Russian people and, and um, you know, the Russian soul. And, 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 it, and it uses the story of, of, the, of the Red Army hockey team and the national team as, as uh, you know, kind of a, a metaphor for all of that. Gabe, uh, you played at Yale, is that correct? Yeah. How did that help you uh, producing or directing this movie? Well, you know, obviously, you know, I know a lot about hockey, and and I grew up, uh, you know, in the United States, and my my parents are from the former Soviet Union, um, and I grew up... uh, you know, basically, in the North American hockey system, and and uh, when I when I was pretty young, about 15 years old, I I got a VHS tape from somewhere. That was the 1987 Canada Cup. It was, you know, obviously considered one of the greatest series, maybe the greatest of all time. Uh, and and I was I was I just couldn't believe it what I saw uh, on the on the ice. Uh, what Canada was doing too, but but but. You know the the Soviet style for me was like uh, it was, you know, eye opening. It was it was mind bending. It was you know like a creative revolution on the ice. They were like the Beatles. You know, it was a whole nother it was a whole nother expression of creativity that that I was seeing on the ice, and and it really made an impression on me. And you know, as a young player, I was you know obviously I playing in the North American system of hockey, which is a little more conservative and and. Um, you know, uh, a little more simple. Uh, you know, people were kind of skated in straight lines. You were told to kind of play a role, and you know, it was more aggressive, a little more primitive. Whereas the Soviets were weaving and kind of doing a lot of creative things. Every time they touched the puck, they did something unique with it. You know, and and it and so in a way, I was wondering, you know, how come that hockey was so free? You know, and, and open and improvisational, whereas in, in North America it felt confining as a player to to a degree, and so that that always stuck with me. And um, you know, I, I always sort of, in in a way, I was a little bit frustrated because I was I was a little bit more of an offensive player, and you know, I like to make plays and and be creative out there, and it just wasn't a part of our hockey culture. So that really stuck with me, and that that that's sort of how I. You know what I brought for my hockey experience, and even playing at Yale was, you know, the, it was more conservative approach, as systems and kind of, you know, role playing type of things, and and that that's kind of what what I brought to it. Gabe, I have to ask you, Russia is still very much a uh, 
a close society in a lot of ways. And um, how has the film been received in Russia? And uh, uh, how how are Russians reacting to uh, to your film? Well, yeah, I, I was wondering that too. And you know, when I made the film, it premiered in Cannes, and, and there's a lot of Russian press there. Uh, they were checking it out to see what what, what this whole thing was all about they had heard about it and 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 the international press just went berserk they, they all loved the film and people were raving about it and and even the russian press got on board you know but i think they were confused initially like is, is this something that we should support or not support because there's a lot of material in there that talks you know negatively about sort of the you know how, how a life was like back then and 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 certainly there's a lot of oppression and limitations individual freedoms and stuff like that but you know but then after can i got invited to the moscow film festival and they basically wanted to open the, the festival with this movie um which is huge it's you know a lot of people most you know minister of culture famous actors directors big red carpet all that stuff but no one had seen it there really and i was real terrified honestly um that what if what if they hate it you know and because it's really a story about russia like i said and and if they sort of thought that it was not good or, or, or sort of false, then, then I would have felt like a fraud, you know. But, but honestly, they, after the screening, the, the press was really excited. Everyone was emotional. Some people were crying. It was a standing ovation. Everybody loved it. But, I, but then afterwards, I had a hard time. I still haven't, haven't officially sold it there. Um, so the people really love it. And they, they, they're, it for them, it's incredibly emotional. It's bittersweet. This is their past. This is kind of you know, on the one hand, their pride, right, because it was a team that was doing incredible things. But on the other hand, the story kind of gets into the the, um, the some difficult areas of, of life, what life was like back then yeah. and how, how difficult they lived, you know. Gabe, uh, what I found, uh, I mean, I carry away a few images from that uh, film, and I, you know, I thought you did an, uh, a very impressive job of, of drawing out, it was a very poignant film and very emotional at certain points. And you did a, you did a fantastic job of pulling the emotion out of um, Fatih Safia. You know, you, you got a few tears from him at at certain points. And I don't want to ruin the film for listeners. And you got Alexei Kasatonov to um, to uh, to shed a few tears. And and there's the haunting images of the forlorn figure of of, of Krutov in in that uh, in that movie and. Uh, were you were you surprised that you were able to draw out so so much emotion from players that certainly in Canada when we watch these guys play we just thought they were a bunch of automatons or a bunch of robots? Yeah, I mean you know Russians they're they're not known for being incredibly uh, emotional and kind of uh, open with their emotions you know and uh, but but at the same time you know they bury a lot of stuff inside and and there there's a lot of stuff a lot of experience there that they've went through these people um and and my goal was to really kind of get them to open up and and um you know reveal some things and and even even though that they were so resistant towards it like Kasatonov was just you know he he didn't want to talk about anything but then those moments where he didn't want to talk you know you, you see the, the the deep kind of pain inside of him you know um a lot of these guys, it almost felt like, you know, kind of a Russian novel, the, the, the characters, you know, the deep, deep kind of <laughs> complexity and pain, you know, that these guys have, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
See, that was the goal is to really uh, is to get some things that that people haven't seen before and and you know obviously I like movies that are that are humorous and emotional and exciting and 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 dramatic. This film kind of ha- takes you through a roller coaster of of emotions, which is of course you know, I think any great film. Gabe, of course, the great. Um, um uh, the the chief figure in in the whole film is, is Slava Fetisov, who now became a a big political uh, figure in in Russia. Uh, have you had any feedback from him uh, on on the film? Do you do you know whether he's seen it at all? Has he commented on it at all? Is he have you talked yeah, to him yeah, about he, it at all? You know, initially when I showed it to him, uh, he he was pretty poker faced, and he didn't really. Um, wanted to support it basically openly because I think that the way that I portray him in this film he's never really been portrayed before I kind of take a, a very raw approach you see his true personality you know he's not he doesn't have he's not hiding anything he, he's pretty you know it's raw and I think he was worried what people were going to think you know um, and and then we got invited to Cannes and, and he actually didn't want to go but his daughter and wife have basically forced him to go and uh, when he showed up and he saw how, how how excited people were about this film and, and sort of on the world stage, and he was a big movie star there almost, he got on board and, and realized that this is, you know, film can be in a very important film, you know. And, and that's when he kind of really got on board. Anyways, we've been uh, talking to G- Gabe Polsky, the uh, acclaimed movie director of the film Red Army. Uh, just want to follow up uh, with uh, with a last question, Gabe. Uh, what uh, what what uh, what's uh, where's the movie go from now, and uh, and uh, what uh, what are you uh, looking forward to in terms of awards and what you might be up for? Uh, yeah, so the the film's gotten a lot of uh, you know it's been all over the world to, to the big festivals all over you know from Canada, to Toronto to Telluride, New York, everywhere basically, uh, which is amazing for for a doc and and uh, you know it's been winning audience awards it just got nominated for a wga award and all that stuff but you know beyond that i mean i think for canada you know um it, it, right now it's playing at young and dundas in toronto and vancouver it's playing in you know i don't know what theater but a good theater there and in ottawa it just opened the buy town so i i really think you know canadians should should get out to the theater you know i mean it's one of those you know kind of seminal films and you know people if people like Gretzky and Bowman and respect what they say they've been talking great about in the press and and you know they should get out and see this movie right away because uh you know otherwise they might not see it for a while so okay Gabe uh, Gabe Polsky the uh, director of Red Army we thank you so much for coming on the uh, Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning and uh just want to tell you, it's been fascinating talking about the Red Army team. I will tell you, Gabe, that I still do hate Boris Mikhailov, number 13, <laughs> and uh, never well, one of my favorite not, hockey players. He's not in this film. No, no he, <laughs> he is in the film. He's yeah. in the film in a couple of stills. I, I picked him oh, out, and he's yeah. still got... Yeah, you're right. Gabe still, Wally would pick him out. He's still me. got the K for captain. I always hated the K instead of the C. <laughs> And and I and I want to throw in a last parting shot. The greatest hockey team in history was the 1976 Canada Cup team, the Canadian team that won it. But we can agree to disagree, Gabe. Anyways, well, that's th- interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks so much for thanks, coming Gabe. on. We we really appreciate it. That was Gabe uh, 
Gabe Polsky, uh, acclaimed director of the Red Army Team. Butch, uh, you grew up in the in, in uh, I guess in the Chicago area, in the Midwest. No, Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, yeah. Midwest, yes. and uh, in, you're growing up at all. Any idea what was going on in the uh, in the hockey wars between Canada, the U.S., or the United States? Absolutely, positively, did no, not. None. The, the, the big red machine was rolling at that time. So, you know, every kid growing up wanted to be, uh, you know. Pete Rose, Davy Concepcion. I mean, you know, the Red Machine oh, was, you know, was, you know, was just nice. You know, the interesting part, we uh, interviewed Phil Esposito and Paul Henderson on the anniversary, the 42nd anniversary. And Phil Esposito made a comment and said, we played like the Russians did back then now, and the Russians played like we did in, the se- in 72. And it's interesting because the KHL, the second league, is a very uh, rough-and-tumble league. And the, it's really reversed. The it has, whole it, had, it has reversed, reversed in, in a lot of ways. And it was very interesting. Phil Esposito, who was, who was the star of that series, as far as I was concerned, uh, mentioned that on our show. Yeah, but think about it. I mean, because what's happened in North America, you've got more coaches, more money, um, better coaching. you got analytics. You think in the KHL they're doing analytics? <laughs> no. Right? You know, basically in the KHL, you know, did you knock him out? Right? So, and did you get paid? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Anyways, we're just about to go to break. Just before we go to break, I do want to announce the two contests we have today. If you're next to your phone, uh, get your finger ready. Take down these numbers. The second caller, we're giving away a Scruples Salon and Spa. Guys, it's six days to Valentine's Day. Don't come, uh, don't come in empty-handed. I'm sure you've got yours already, already, Butch. Uh, of course I do. You, you've got it. You've got it. <laughs> of course I do. You're not. You're not. You're going to score some points on Valentine's Day. I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm going to score points every day. <laughs> Aren't we all? Anyways, our Scrupo Salon contest. It's a hundred dollar gift certificate. You can. Uh, we're giving it away free. Uh, to the second caller, and I'll give out the number shortly, and if I forget, Naz, please remind me. Um, the gift cards can be purchased online at www.scruplesalon.com. There's two locations, one in Woodbridge and one in Pickering. They're open seven days a week. It's a fabulous Valentine's uh, Day present. We've been giving them out free, uh, one coupon uh, per week for a while, and we're getting tremendous feedback on them. Uh, Give us a call at, where's those numbers? Let me flip my page, 416-360-0740-1866. 740-4740. We'll give out those numbers again after the break. But if you're the second caller, you're going to pick up this $100 gift certificate and you're going to look like a star on Valentine's Day. And Butch, no, you cannot call in during the break and and and, and get that card. Uh, we're also giving away a Pizzaville $50 gift coupon. We're just throwing everything out today. We're throwing, uh, trying to make our listeners happy. $50 gift certificate at Pizzaville to the third caller. So our number is once again 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. We'll be right back after the break with Mike Pellick. And, of course, we've got uh, Raptors former coach Butch Carter in studio. Be right back. It was a rainy day when our All About the Taste event continued at Pizzaville. If you agree that Pizzaville's bacon cheeseburger pizza is the best-tasting bacon cheeseburger pizza you've ever had? Go to pizzaville.ca and enter to win a ski trip to Alberta. If you don't think it's the best-tasting bacon cheeseburger pizza, enter to win a different trip. 
because you might feel more at home in Big Knob, Kentucky. For details, go to pizzaville.ca. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. With us in studio this morning, of course, is... Uh, uh, Butch Carter, we f- love uh, having you with us, Butch, and uh, thanks for being with us again. And uh, we're going to have a few things we're going to talk about. You've got some interesting uh, 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 business uh, deals you're working on, and we certainly would like to talk about that. But now we have on the line Mike Pellick. Mike Pellick, former Toronto Maple Leaf. How are you doing this morning, Mike? It's not there. Oh, my, uh, my... we haven't got Mike Pellick on the line yet. So, uh, Butch, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your new uh, basketball league that you're working on. Well, basically, a guy came to me and uh, his team, and they were interested in buying a, a team in a professional league that's playing in Canada. And they had a feasibility study and said, Coach, can you look at this and see if it'll work? And so I basically raked through it for pretty much the last 13 months and got it to where I think it's in a very efficient business plan. I think I've done a very good job of benchmarking the failure modes of prior leagues who've tried to play basketball. But I think it's from a timing standpoint. Things fit in at a certain time, and then things don't fit in at a certain time. Then I think historically uh, things have not fit in, and, and now it's a good, better time. Where does this league in your, uh, in your um, work and trying to put – where does it fit in? 
what 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 market are you trying to go after and in terms of fan base and in terms of player development or stocking the teams with players where does it fit think, in, you, in, think, the, in the universe i think you have to be a part of what the chl has done so so well on the player development side i think you have to average your age down and go after younger players who don't want to go to university i also think that you have to get the oau to um uh, uh, and the cis to allow you to uh play games on their facilities because I think the great the crowd average should be somewhere between twenty five hundred, and that's the average. There, there'll be some facilities where you can. But after studying EuroBasket, um, the Europeans basically f- went through the same failure modes, got smarter, and said, "Let's play in smaller gyms, and then have special events." So they've got sixteen weeks in which they have a game of the week that's very well followed. But um, in nineteen ninety two, I was in uh, Athens to watch the Olympiacos team and the, and the gymnasium was no bigger than it was smaller, quite smaller than my high school gymnasium. And so, you know, they've come a long way, but they've done it by not forcing. Think about if you go to the airport and you're on vacation and you just need a little small car to get around and they keep forcing you. They say, you got to, you got to rent the van. You got to rent the van. Well, I only got two people and three bags, but no, they're going to put the higher price on you. So what leagues have done for basketball is they felt they had to play in ice venues in North America, not just Canada, United States. And it, and the charges, the ice coverage car charge, the ticket master, uh, uh, ticket management fee, and the uh, bed and reserve fund have just killed them. And uh, because everybody, you get isolated saying, I'm an owner, I'm an owner, and I'm just dealing with my own problem. But the aggregate of all the teams playing together, so if you take $5,000, you know, 150 games, you know, year after year after year. That's just a changeover cost. So um, the, the reward from the, you need to get to where you're uh, doing $23 per seat. And the only way to do that is well without those three charges. Butch, uh, the makeup of the players, are they uh, U.S.-born, Canadian-born, they're imports? Uh, how, does, how, is, how is it going to work? You do 50-50. You mm-hmm. have national players, international players. You subsidize your your national players, your Canadian players, because a lot of really good players are playing in Europe. But they're making about three or 4000 more dollars a month. Um, so, you know, I've got a methodology to work that through. I think we'll be very successful with that. But it's all about the same thing. It's no different than your initiatives for the Olympics. You've got to ask corporations to help build the Canadian model. Um, you know, and I'm more inspired by, you know, my nephew, uh, Deron Carter, signed with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. He played in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And if the CFL wasn't there, you know, Deron and my other nephew, Kenneth Stafford, would not not be able to play in the CFL. So I think that the story that I have is one of truth. I came I came here 16 years ago. I'm still here, married, married a Canadian, have, have a 10-year-old have a, uh, son. And, uh, you know, I'm committed to it. Um, there might be people that know basketball better than me, but I don't think there are people that, that understand at the minor level or at the college level in the States there's a business model that works. But you cannot, year after year, game after game, play all your games in uh, ice facilities. Does this help the national team, this league? Yes, that's that would be the end goal, is that you get better development. The guys are playing at home. They're playing against uh, better players. And it gives them a chance to develop because they may not be playing full-time in Europe, 
If they're better players, they'd be playing full-time, access to better facilities. And, and we all know that you probably play better in your backyard than you do on the road all the time. Were you ever approached by uh, Basketball Canada to coach the national team? Or would you be interested in that? No, I mean, I, I sent a couple letters years ago with uh, Basketball Canada. They, had, they w- did not reply, which was kind of disappointing. But, you know, I moved away from that because the reality is that they, they have a, a plan of their own. And I think what they've done is nationalize. You know, I think they went through a period of time where they bought some Americans up. It started with Dell Harris. Uh, a long time ago, and I worked for Dale in Milwaukee. So the reality is that I w- I've been very busy with business, and um, you know, I'm. I think things should be done in right now. You need to get them done. You know, you do a rebuild. You need to get it done. And um, what I've learned about Canadians is that uh, they're looking more for a consensus. Uh, alpha males have a really tough time with Canadians because. Because Canadians want a consensus, and that's just the reality of it. Um, you know, we're in college, in, in the United States colleges, you see him hire a guy every day, and his job from the time they hire him is to win, win, win. And uh, there's a bigger win. Uh, Canadian got their uh, freedom by cooperating, the Americans got their freedom by being revolutionaries. So it, it goes deep, and that's taken me a long time to really understand that. Uh, I don't think either one of us are offended, but normally when I take on a project, uh, I dig a hole that's really deep and make sure that the sides are well built. And I think that if uh, I can get enough people to follow me, that Canada basketball, it'll be a big win for them eventually in four or five years. That's great to hear. And you've got, uh, in terms of Canada basketball, the types of communities that you that you're targeting and uh, you also already have a deal with uh, on the TV side tell us a little bit about that well um, I basically went and pitched a guy who you know had never met me in uh, uh, at uh, CHCH and walked him through my plan and he basically came back to me and said called me the next day and said hey will you send me some more information and basically, I want him over because the younger kids in his household are basketball fans. And they basically convinced him that if I was going to get back in basketball with what I had done prior, there's probably a pretty good reason. And so he allowed me to come back in and walk him through all the steps. And to the credit of CHCH, they put a, a covenant in the deal that a large portion of the proceeds from the broadcast rights has to be committed to additional salaries for Canadian content. And that's a big win for for the Canadian players. Um, uh, It's a 20-year deal. Uh, Yes, I have to sell the broadcast rights, but, I mean, it's what I have to do. There there have been harder things in life that I've had to do. But I guess when I go in and explain to people, and you have to remember, I'm the first coach in the history of the NBA in a 54-year history of the NBA to take a team from less than two wins to the playoffs. I'm a lot less better. Less than 20 wins. Less than 20, 20 wins. wins. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, Felt like two, though. <laughs> uh, so the reality is that with, with what I've done and now what I've been out in business, my experience in business, I had to fully understand, you know, you can't put too much debt on leagues. Your balance sheet's got to have very little debt. And by playing in gymnasiums, you can balance that. But more importantly, you can balance your schedule. The OHL does an awesome job playing 88% of its games Thursday through Sunday. So the reality, though, is when they're playing at home, 
they're not going to allow you to play a home game in between their Thursday-Saturday format or Friday-Sunday. So you need to have gymnasium so you can balance out your schedule. Th- these, all, these are all things in a, uh, from the standpoint of planning that if you have a league with really strong leadership, uh, like the European League, you don't have a commissioner, you have someone who's business savvy, a CEO or chief operating officer, you really have a great chance of being successful. And I, and I just think the timing of it is really good. Not a big league. Start small, you know, and work your way through all the problems and grow. There's another league involved uh, right now. What uh, What is the difference between the two leagues? You want, all, that, you want all of them or just one? Uh, <laughs> okay, here, a few. Okay, a few. A few. Drug policy. We'll have a drug policy. Monthly financial reporting. We'll have monthly financial reporting. Mandatory Canadian content. 10-minute quarters instead of 12 quarters, which makes us FIBA compliant. Small venues instead of all ICE venues. Uh, uh, dress code for our weekly game of the week. Uh, a league revenue model. Player development. Expansion fee. Letter of credits posted so that the municipalities know that their vendors are going to be protected, uh, and population calculation. But, uh, we're of course talking to Butch Carter, uh, former Raptors coach, and I think uh, I think what Naz uh, may have been getting at is there does the NBA not already have some sort of sponsored minor league? No, no. There's league? another league I was getting at. I know about the D League. Okay, but it was another league altogether. Yeah, you know? it's, it's it's called NB. It's the NBL Canada. NBL Canada. NBL right. Canada. And and how will your league match up against that league? I don't worry about it. Okay. You, you know, if you if if you're trying to be uh, Tim Hortons, do you really worry about McCafe or Starbucks? You try to be the best that you can be, and I think that's that's the reality. Um, people who really don't understand it try to throw everybody in one basket. But you know, being in business uh, the last fifteen years in um, managing the Toyota dealership, the Honda dealership, different brands, different strategies. Uh, so you you got to come up with a brand and a strategy that functions for you. So you know, simple the name Canadian Basketball League. So we're not trying to be the National Basketball League, not trying to be the NBA, we're not trying to be the D-League. We're trying to be the best Canadian Basketball League that we can be. And we certainly wish you the best of luck on, on that, on that Butch, and we'll keep a close eye on it. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about MLSE, and I've got a feeling you've got some strong opinions about MLSE. And uh, are the Raptors and the Leafs structured in a way that uh, that makes sense uh, we talked about the difficulty with the Toronto Maple Leafs and why they're not successful um, is it the structure is it the structure of the organization well it's it's a simple structure of all pro leagues and in all pro leagues half the games are lost and everybody forgets that so you know the thing with me is you know the question started out you know you know my comment was you know, MLSE has never really understood the impact of losing half the games in, in the league. And if you understand that impact, then that's why the New England Patriots do. They understood that there was a huge window open because their the teams in their division were terrible. Except Buffalo's coming, though. They're coming. Well, I mean, they may come and, they, you know, they, they hired Rex. But, I mean, the reality is, you know, you, you play the teams that win, not the ones that hope to win. That's and true. And so – you know, I learned hockey by we played on Sunday afternoons when I was coach, one o'clock. So that meant we play Friday, and then I'm in Saturday night, and and they're skating on Saturday night, and I'm watching the games between, you know, normally the second and third period I would catch, but I was always in there late because I'm not, most of the time I slept in in the office, and I was always catching the NHL the second game out west. 
And it was always amazing to me the energy that the Detroit Red Wings skated with compared to the energy I saw on the ice at home. And having a brother that's a Hall of Fame football player and putting together a basically a test called the Tarzan test. The Tarzan test basically it would compare the, these eight physical metrics like the NFL combine for basketball players. I've got 1,800 of the of them from the time I worked in Milwaukee as an assistant and, and the head coach and assistant coach with the Raptors. So I could compare this just pure physical talent. And once you understand that half the games are going to be lost and you're trying to get in the top, you know, the 20% of the winning half, you recognize that, yes, you have to have guys who do things differently. And as I told people in, in a speaking engagement, I'm a skill. I'm a skill teacher. You give me a better athlete, I can teach him to dribble better. I can teach him to shoot better. Um, as a senior at Indy University, I'm the first guard to ever lead the Big Ten in field goal percentage. Um, so I'm huge on the skill side of teaching. So I need a better horse, and I'll buff out that horse to be a better player. So until you really capture, it's not about how many seats are sold. All right, regardless if your attendance is down or up, put better horses in the system. And that's why I say Canadians spend so much content on, well, the fruit's this and the fruit's that, right? The players are always going to change, but is the table strong enough? And we've, we've clearly seen, at least since I've been up here, that the Detroit organization always has built a strong table. And, yes, there was strong fruit, but winning the West when they won the West was not easy. Butch, uh, going back to the Raptors, uh, how close to a championship would it, would the Raptors have been if they had both McGrady and Carter? Well, the, the Raptors are in a unique situation from the standpoint of they may be the first team in NBA history to have three players that they drafted that are going to go into the Hall of Fame, and they may not wear a Raptor uniform. So the issue is that they, they have drafted, three times they've drafted the right guy, but for whatever reason, those three individuals have left the fold. You're talking Bosch, McGrady, and uh, Carter. Correct? Yes. So um, if Tracy and Vince would have played together, uh, in which in my last meeting I asked, could we, could we blow up the older guys and reload? Because we had created so much enthusiasm, good young players were now willing to come. So, you know, it's, um, it's unfortunate that Tracy left. Um, but he was in a situation from the sponsorship side, the marketing side. He could achieve a lot more money in getting paid in the States than Canada. And that will be a problem for Canada until Canada's major corporations come on online and find a way to uh, to use the players as sponsors and marketing. There will be a big differential between what goes on in Toronto and the other NBA teams. You brought up an interesting point about coaching. You, you came in as a coach. You were a high school coach or an assistant, or you had some coaching experience. Does a player, does a coach, have to have um, coaching experience to succeed in professional sports? What a coach has to have is the ability to to walk in the room, and if you think, if you look at all the players as sponges, all right. What you've got to be able to do is that water, that, that pitcher of water you have in your hand, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to pour it on each one of those sponges and get them to absorb it. All right? And successful coaches get the players to absorb it. The unsuccessful coaches do not. And that's as simple as I can put it. 
I was fortunate that I understood that because I was born the oldest of seven kids. And I understood that my brothers and sisters could not withstand the intensity in which I went about managing my life because I wanted to be successful and get out of the bad situation we were in. So I learned that I had to manage each one of my brothers and sisters differently. My brother John, I would play with John and let him win games. Chris, I would never let him win a game. It wasn't until Chris was... <laughs> Chris was, I was 40 years old, and he was a four-time All-Pro, and uh, that he actually beat me in a one-on-one game, and he beat the snot out of me. But And he told me he had waited a long time to do it. But for a coach to be successful, regardless of his credentials, he has to understand the impact of the situation he's in, that half the games are lost. And then the second thing he has to do is figure out each one of those 12 or 15 or 20 sponges that he's going to walk into and commit to, he's got to figure out how to get them to absorb the water of the pitcher he has in his hand. Because we have two NBA coaches that had no coaching experience. Jason Kidd went in and uh, Steve Kerr, right? And Steve Kerr's done really, really well with that team. Well, he, he, he got the right team. He got the right team, that's for sure. You know, good teams make uh, great coaches. Well, they, they, at least, they at least give you a longer bridge. <laughs> We're, of course, talking to the unmistakable voice of Butch Carter, former Raptors coach. Uh, Butch, a local, uh, you know, you've been involved in the basketball community in the Toronto area for a long time now, and uh, the prize of Toronto is, is Andrew Wiggins. And... Um, Controversial trade from uh, Cleveland to Minnesota. Did, did did Cleveland make a mistake? They made a mistake, but the issue at the end of the day is that the owner had put himself in uh, a bad position with LeBron. So you know, LeBron had gone away and gotten two rings. LeBron, because of where he was at with his family, wanted to come back home. But I believe in the meeting there were certain conditions that everyone agreed to, and those conditions uh, are probably going to stay private. But... LeBron got rid of some of the guys that he had with him in Cleveland because Pat Riley wouldn't let him down in Miami, which was a growing point, a good growing point for LeBron. Uh, the owner grew up, but the reality is that he's got enough money, so all he all he needs to do is win a championship. So you make the deal. So they made a deal, and uh, it's not the first deal that's been done between an owner and, and, and one player or two players. And uh, but as far as young Wiggins goes, it, it for me it was awesome for Wiggins because he got the shock he needed, right? Like okay, you drafted number one. Like okay, now take your bags to Minnesota, right? So you know young guys need to grow up, and uh, I always felt that you know I've got to yet let young guys bump their head a little bit, and that's how they're that's how they're going to grow, that's how they become better professionals, and uh, it happened for Wiggins. I've said from the start. He is a tremendous two-way player. He needs his offense buffed out. Um, I think he needs better individual work in the summer. I don't think he's going to get it under the current coaching staff he has in Minnesota, but he is one tremendous talent. Where do the Raptors need to make a move to improve, and are they good enough to go to reach the finals this year? Uh, the Raptors, to do anything, right now in shooting defense, they're 27. The only three teams behind them are Orlando, Minnesota, and the Lakers. And those three teams, when you mention their name at this state, aren't very good. The other problem with them, their opponent's uh, effective field goal percentage is over 50%, 50.7. And that is that is not very good. So the Raptors uh, are a very efficient offensive team. They establish that by the number of fouls that are generated uh, in their favor. But right now, they're not very good defensively. They've not been able to get into a half-court defense. 
that protect protects uh, JV. Um, so you know, the basketball has to move left to right for most teams to be successful. Chicago and the Pacers have a defensive scheme called blue or down that doesn't allow the ball once it goes to one side to come back, and it protects their lack of, of a defensive center. Um, Casey has not been able to get these guys to uh, adopt his his normal system. He's a very effective coach. He's done a really good job making his team a better scoring team, but they have not matured from the standpoint and I think it's on the players because Casey's a very good coach. He knows the scheme. Uh, but if they're running, if teams allow them to, uh, to uh, get in a pick and roll, the Raptors are not very good. They're not a very good perimeter defensive team. And I think that, I, without a doubt, in my opinion, DeMar is still hurt. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have offseason surgery to fix uh, what, what popped on him. And so they're they're a little delinquent on on the perimeter. So they've done an awesome job. Coach has done an awesome job of beating teams that they need to beat. And I just think that for them to to keep going on, they have to find a way to be more consistent on defense. And and uh, but from where they've come, from a salary cap standpoint, they were in a horrible salary cap situation. A losing team. I think they were second, third, or fourth in money spent. Uh, when Masai came in. So it's it's really awesome that on what they've done because they probably have 15 or $16 million sitting on the bench that they can't use in a cap. Uh, got a minute left, Butch. I want to ask a final question. Um, San Antonio, NBA champions, are in the ACC tonight. And uh, how important a game is that for the Raptors, and where do you foresee the Raptors going the rest of the season and the playoffs? Well, to, to be good, you have to be consistent. San Antonio, the last nine years, has been no worse than third in winning the first quarter and the third quarter. I learned that from them a long time ago. Uh, I learned it from uh, Utah when Malone and Stockton were there. But this is what it does. If you win the first quarter and you win the third quarter, normally going into the fourth quarter, you've got a lead. The Raptors have been very good at maintaining their leads when they have a lead in the fourth quarter. The problem is if you don't do that, now you're having to overplay your players. If you overplay your players, they do not practice. After the 45th or 50th game, they're going to tell you, do you want me in a game or do you want me in practice? So from a conditioning standpoint, the San Antonio team is the most consistent franchise from a win the first quarter, win the third quarter, handle your business professionally. That's the maturity that all teams need to get to. And uh, what, where do you where do you foresee the Raptors doing in the playoffs? I think the the Raps win the first series, and then it gets a little tougher in the second series. Thanks so much. We've had with us in the uh, in the house today Butch Carter, former uh, former Raptor uh, coach, and uh, putting together a new basketball league in Canada. And we wish you the best luck. And we thank you so much for joining us on a, on a Sunday morning, Butch. It's been great having you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate the call and. Uh, if we can do it again, I'd be more than happy to help you guys out. We appreciate Thanks, it. Butch. Thanks, Butch. And uh, you've been listening to Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We'll be back again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Have a fantastic week. Thank you. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.